You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Uh, Rob, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Gary. How you doing today? Ah, boy, you know, hanging in. It's just, it's just, it's a daily struggle, my friend. I take it one day at a time. I I know I say that all the time, but it's true. If I, it's good to plan in advance, but each day is its own entity. You know. Definitely. Same here. Well, speaking of planning in advance, I think uh, something I wanted to cover has to do with credit because it's something that needs to be planned in advance. So many people come trying to buy or refinance a home and they're just not prepared with their credit or they don't have the knowledge or information about their credit. So that's what I want to dive into today here. I'll bet they're shocked when they think their credit is one thing and it's another. And that goes both ways. Some people think their credit's excellent and it's not. And other people, I've had several lately that think, oh, my credit score is, you know, 640, 650, and they're over 700. So a lot of it is just having the knowledge and education on it, knowing where to look, when to look, and what to look for. So we'll, we'll uh, definitely be covering credit hacks is what I want to call it. And you really are, are well, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Um because there's even there's questions. There's a lot of questions that I have when it comes to. There's a lot of misrepresentation so out there too, and that's a lot of I myths. To, yes. All right. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a moment. I guess let me first start off by asking you then what what are the minimum credit scores to get different types of mortgages? I mean, you can't go in there with a, a five fifty, right? I mean, that's yeah. You know. So this does change from time to time. Back in the early 2000s, there were mortgages you could get, like subprime loans with as low as even a 500 credit score. Mm. I remember that being the case when I started in the business in the early 2000s, but now that's not the case. So in modern lending, what we're talking about is a 580 minimum score for your government loans, like your FHA and VA loans, so 580. And then on a conventional mortgage, which is the mortgages backed by like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, those are going to require a minimum of a 620. There's no exceptions on that. Uh, if you're under 620, even if you're a 619, it's going to be rejected because of that. So some big banks and credit unions, they make their own guidelines. They do what's called a portfolio mortgage where they keep it on the books and service it themselves. And with those types of loans, they make their own rules. So I've seen a lot of big banks, credit unions locally and across the country that will have even higher minimum credit scores. I've had clients come to me saying they got denied from their local bank, even though they had a checking account, because they only had a 640 credit score and the bank's minimum was 680. Mm-hmm. So you just want to be aware of those different score requirements. But you're definitely going to have the most flexibility with the credit score by going to a mortgage banker like myself or a mortgage broker that has access to multiple options, multiple investors and multiple programs. So what are the most reliable places to go and find out what your credit score is? Yeah, this is a huge area where there's a lot of myths and misconceptions. So the answer really is the a mortgage loan officer is who you need to go to to get your exact credit score. Anything else might be inaccurate. There's one exception to that, which I found 
over the last few months, which is called MyFICO.com. M-Y-F-I-C-O, MyFICO.com. Now, this is a website. It's not free, but if you're willing to pay a small fee, I think it's around $20, $30 a month, you can sign up with MyFICO and you can get your different credit scores, like your auto credit score, your mortgage credit scores, etc. So it will give you all the different credit scores, and I found it to be 100% accurate. The downside is that it does cost money. It's something you could sign up for maybe for a couple months when you're maybe... Uh, future going to be looking at buying or refinancing a home just to calibrate your score, see where things are at and get it improved. It's not something you have to sign like a annual contract on or anything like that. The last place that I'll say you could look for your credit score is annualcreditreport.com. That's the only website where you can actually get a free credit report, not a free credit score, but a free credit report mm. once per year from each credit bureau. Again, annualcreditreport.com. You can pay them a fee once you get your free report to upgrade it and get the score as well. But if you're going to do that, I recommend just going with MyFICO. Um, the annualcreditreport.com is a good resource to use if you're just trying to check up on your credit, what's on there, what's not on there. You know, look at judgments, collections, things like that, and how those are affecting your report because it's free. If you don't use it, you lose it and you get one score per year, or excuse me, one report per bureau per year. So if you didn't use it last year at all, you lost it. You're not able to go back and get last year's, but you can get this year's report now once per bureau. So that's definitely something that I recommend. Somewhere I don't recommend you get your credit score is Credit Karma, Sesame, wow. and places like that. Yeah, well, that kind of leads into the next question that I have. I mean, what then what can websites like Credit Karma or Credit Sesame that you just referred to? Isn't there another one? Is it uh, is it Equif? What's the, what's the There's other one? so many other ones, but <clears throat> Credit know, Karma and Credit Sesame and Equifax. Equifax, I mean, right? Equifax. That's just one of the bureaus. So, but you, but you don't. You get a mortgage. They don't use those credit scores, right? They don't use those. So, credit what are they scores. for? What are they used for? So, you want to use online sites for tracking like your credit card balances when those report. That's a good use of it. You can use them to see whether your score is going up or down. So, if Credit Karma said your score went up 30 points, chances are the score did go up. Uh, meaning your mortgage credit score to get a mortgage loan. Did it go up that amount or to the score they're telling you? Probably not, which is why you need to consult with a loan officer or my FICO in order to see what your actual mortgage score is going to be. Now, I do go over this in my book. Chapter five of my book, we talk all about credit scores. Obviously, we're limited on time here today, so we can't go into all the details. But what I wanted to pull out here was just a, a piece of the, a, a couple sentences from the book about Credit Karma and Credit Sesame, because you asked what can they be used for. When you get the um, credit scores from those sites, they're typically giving you what's called a Vantage score. Okay, so I'm reading this ex excerpt from the book. Your Vantage score is readily available from free sites such as creditkarma.com or creditsesame.com. It's updated weekly and viewing it doesn't affect your score. However, these are best used as a gauge of your credit reports, especially the changes and if your score is moving up or down. When you apply for any major loan, it's most likely the actual FICO score they'll be after. So that really illustrates the point that I'm talking about. You know, use those sites, they're free, but like most things in life, you get what you pay for. So just take it with a grain of salt and use that as part of an overall credit strategy, not the gospel, not the end all be all. Okay. I got that. So when you are pulling someone's credit report and you're finding out what their score is because they want to get a mortgage, mm -hmm. 
you're obviously, if I understand this correctly, you're not using Credit Karma, Credit Sesame, but Credit FICA. FICO. FICO. Yeah. Okay. Fair so, Isaac is, is uh, what FICO stands for. But that's for. one. Aren't you, aren't you taking an average of two or three? Yeah. So we're looking at the, there's three credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Each one of those credit bureaus has multiple credit scores. Like I said, auto loan, credit card, mortgage. They all have different versions, kind of like a piece of software. You have version oh. three and version five, etc. So when we're actually doing a mortgage credit inquiry, what we're doing is we're pulling in the mortgage credit scores from each of those three bureaus. Again, that's going to be different than the credit score you got from your auto loan or credit card. So what if someone is a first time buyer and has no history of ever having a mortgage? Well, if they have no history of having a mortgage, that's fine. But we want to look at what's their credit history look like. I'm talking about auto loans, okay, credit, credit cards, card. that okay. sort of thing. Typically, if you've had a loan on your credit report for at least a year or two, sometimes I've even seen a few months, you'll get a score. People that have absolutely no credit and nothing on there, no, you know, no monthly payments they're making that are reporting to their credit bureaus, those are the ones that are going to have no score. And I've had a lot of scenarios where I've had people come to me, they want to get pre-approved, I run their credit, they have no credit at all. It all comes back NA, not applicable, there's no score. There are some tips, tricks, and techniques that we can use to help them build a score. Mm. Some of those we'll be talking about here in just a minute. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually I, I I wanted to ask you about that. Um, but quickly going back to your book, maybe towards the end of the show, can can we give people yeah, maybe maybe I don't a little teaser right away. now? I'll you? give away a few copies okay. of the book on the ebook. We'll talk to everyone about how you can get that. If this is all resonating with you, like I said, we're definitely short on time. This is a fast paced show, but if you want to read the book, not only learn about credit but mortgage strategies in general, we'll do a giveaway here at the end of all the right, show. All right, give I'm another th like that. another like a thirty extra thirty seconds sure. at the end of the show. We can explain how one of our listeners can uh, obtain that book absolutely free. All right, so you've kind of teased it already. You talked mm -hmm. about some strategies that are a person can implement if they want to discuss um you know how they can be used to increase their credit score and really i'm trying to think probably the quickest timeline a timeline right. possible right i think anyone would agree if you have five years to improve your credit score wow. there's a lot you can do but when you're trying to get a mortgage or financing five you're, months. <laughs> you're trying to do it in a short period of time typically so i want to give you the hard-hitting uh Boots on the ground strategies I'm using every single day, every single week with my clients. These are, you know, not very highly utilized by most people and not known by many. So I'll, I'll hit you with these examples right here. So the first thing is credit card paydowns. The number one reason that I see people have low credit when they have established their credit is because of high balances on their credit cards. Now, what am I talking about with high balances? I'm talking about the ratio of your actual limit on the card versus how much money that you owe on the card or your balance. So we'll use an example of a $10,000 credit card. If you owe $5,000 on that out of 10,000, that's a 50% ratio, okay? So the credit card pay down strategies that I implement with my clients that work phenomenally well is the 50-30-10 rule. The way that it works is if you're using more than 50% of your credit limit, expect that your credit scores are going to be trashed, okay? They are going to really hit you hard because when you get above 50% of that limit, where the limit's 1,000, 10,000, or 50,000, it starts to show the credit bureaus that you are a little bit of a higher risk financially, okay? In their data that they've analyzed, people that have high balance to limit ratios, they tend to be 
on the uh, lower end when it comes to making their payments on time. They're approaching financial distress, possibly. That's why someone would, would start charging up their credit cards. So the first ratio is 50% of the limit. The next ratio that you want to pay the card down to is 30% of the limit. So on a $10,000 credit card, that's going to be a $3,000 balance, 30%. And then the ideal ratio, if you want to max out your credit score and get every point possible, you want to get those credit card balances below 10% of the ratio. And I know it sounds crazy because on a $10,000 credit card, that's less than $1,000. But these are the rules of the game and you got to know the game and how to play it in order to succeed. So hopefully this is resonating with uh, many people right now. That's the credit card pay down method that you can use immediately to see your credit actually increase. Usually takes anywhere from three to four weeks for the pay downs that you do to actually reflect on your credit score. So don't uh, expect it to take effect immediately. The next one's going to be secured credit cards. Now these come into play because a lot of people that have low credit, they'll go to a bank or credit card company and they'll say, I have no credit or low credit. I need a small credit line. Please help me. I want to build credit and they'll get declined because they have no credit. So so it's this like horrible uh, rabbit wheel or, you know, uh, 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 just a mm. treadmill that you're kind of on because no one will give you credit, but you want credit and you just keep going through this. The answer is secured credit cards. Secured credit cards let you put a deposit down and then they'll give you a credit line. It could be as, as little as a few hundred dollars. That credit line then reports to the credit bureaus and helps you build the credit. There are some specific... Um, companies that I've used and I've recommended for secured credit cards that work very well. I'll tell you those are um, SelfLender, SelfLender.com. And then the other one is the Credit Builder card. I've had clients use those two with a lot of success because they report quickly to the, uh, to the credit bureaus. Um, the next strategy that I want to give you on building credit quickly is authorized user accounts. So what an authorized user account is when somebody will add you on as a user to their credit card. There's no cost to it. There's no credit check or anything like that. And it's very, very quick and simple. The What it would entail is having a friend, family, coworker, neighbor, just somebody that you know that has good credit and has a credit card in good standing. They can go online or contact the credit card company and ask them to add an authorized user. There is no charge to do so. Then the person will ask, what is the, the name of the person you want to add as an authorized user and what's their birthday so they can match up the identity? Once they add you on, within just a couple weeks, you'll see that re reported on your credit bureaus, on your different credit reports. So it can be a great strategy. It's also known as piggybacking because you're piggybacking off of somebody else's report. However, this is a strategy that was used and abused during the housing crisis. Mm. Uh, and the credit bureaus caught on to people that had bad credit and they get a bunch of their friends to add them on to boost their credit score. But then the person still really had bad credit. It just looked good on paper. <laughs> so the credit bureaus several years ago, they changed the way they score these authorized user accounts. So an authorized user account is not going to help you from a credit score standpoint nearly as much as getting your own credit card or paying down your credit uh, card limits like we just talked about or balances. But an authorized user account having yourself added to one or two, it definitely can be something that could be a good thing to raise your score several points, especially if you're really, really close to getting the loan that you want to qualify for. Um, the last thing I want to mention on this is that I use a software called Credit Expert, 
with my clients that have lower credit. And what Credit Expert software is, is it's only available to lenders, so it's not something you can get on your own as a consumer, but it will allow us to load your credit report in and run what-if scenarios and say, well, what if Gary pays this card from 5,000 down to 2,000? What will that do to his score? What if we get this collection deleted? What if we add a new account, this, that, or the other? And it will allow us to do all this modeling on your credit. And this is software from the credit bureaus, so it is highly, highly accurate. I can't say 100% accurate, but more accurate than anything else, especially a wild guess. So those are the strategies. Once I get that credit expert uh, software, it'll help to implement some of these other strategies to say, pay this credit card to down to this balance or do this, add this account. So it really gives us a, a very disciplined direction on where you need to go to increase your credit score as quickly as possible. You know, Rob, you mentioned the word collections, and that made me think, should collections or charge-offs be paid off? Or I don't know, how can those be handled to increase a credit score? There's so much um, misconception along the lines of uh, charge-offs and collections when it comes to credit. And people think that, well, if I have a collection, I'll just go pay it. I need to get a mortgage now. I, I'm sorry that I didn't pay it years ago, but I'll just go pay it now. And the answer is you shouldn't just go pay them off. You should not, because what that's going to do is it's going to reactivate the DLA, which stands for date of last activity, and it actually could lower your credit score. I've seen many times where people will go before they apply for a mortgage and they'll pay off all these collections thinking they did the right thing and only to realize that when their mortgage lender pulls their credit score, their score went down. Why would that happen? Mm. Because it reactivated the data last activity on a negative or derogatory account. So the, um, the really the advice that I give all my clients on this is that, first of all, the time to pay that collection was before it went to collection. Once it's in collections, the damage is done. And there's only one thing you can do at that point to revert your credit score back to where it was before the collection. And that will be what we call a pay for deletion. Okay, now pay for deletion, you can go on Google, you can look it up, there's videos all over YouTube about it. It's the only strategy I recommend when dealing with collections, and you need to get a letter from the collection agency stating that if and when you will pay that collection, they will delete it from your credit report, okay? Not just update the credit bureaus, but actually the word delete needs to be in there. Because if they don't delete it, it's gonna reactivate, and it's going to typically lower your score. If they delete it, it will erase all that negative history off your credit score. And I've seen cases where people's credit can go through the roof from doing these pay for deletions. But you want to beware. Not all collection agencies do the pay for deletions. A lot of the ones that say they do are unscrupulous and they may tell you they're going to do this pay for deletion. But then when it actually comes time for them to delete it from your credit report, they don't do it. They just told you that to get you to pay them. Now they've got you right where they want you. So the way you get around that is you need to get a letter. It could be an email or a fax or just some letter in writing that states that they will delete the uh, the trade line from all three credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, if and when you pay that collection off. Then if they don't do what they said that they're going to do, we can then take that letter to the credit bureau and actually get them to do something about it. So that's the spiel on collections There's and charge people, Rob, who never even heard of pay for deletion. And they may, yep. maybe they had a collections come after them, I don't know, a decade ago, 15 mm -hmm. years ago, maybe 20 years ago. Is that still there? Is that still on it your... It probably isn't if it's that long ago. I mean, these collection agencies are very wise in how they 
keep trying to bring people down with their credit because mm -hmm. they know that when you go to apply for a loan and this comes up, it's going to remind you that you owe them this money. So collection agencies will constantly be changing hands. They'll be trading these accounts. It'll go from one agency to another, and then it'll re-report. But generally, you you do want to consult with a lender like myself before doing these pay-for-deletions, specifically on the older ones. If it's something in the last couple of years, chances are it's on your credit. If it's something from over five years ago, you'll want to check with a lender first to see if it's even reporting. Because mm. what you'll find is due to statute of limitations and some of the fair credit reporting laws, they, uh, these accounts that are more than a certain age, depending on where you're located in the local laws, they may not be reporting at all. So going and doing a pay for deletion on a 15-year-old or 10-year-old collection just usually isn't going to be in your best interest to do that. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. If you'd like to make an appointment, a one-on-one -on -one appointment with Rob, you can uh, simply give him a call at 860-413-3938. I'll repeat that phone number as well as uh, an email address and the website more towards the end of the show. And just a quick uh, reminder, at the end of the show, we're going to tell you how you can obtain a free copy of the book that he's already referenced when it comes to credit hacks. Uh, in his book, it's entitled Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium. Uh, using your home loan as a financial tool, uh, as a financial tool, you can receive a copy, an e-copy of this book. And again, I'll get more into detail in that more towards the end of the show. Um, Rob, what is the typical timeline to change or even improve your credit? Yeah, really big misnomer about this is that if I pay a credit card off on a Monday, my credit will be updated on Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> I hear it all the time. Oh, come on. And people will say, oh, yeah, I just paid off all my credit card debt last week. So I should be in a great position right now to apply for the mortgage, not realizing and understanding the way that credit reporting works. So every credit line that you have, whether it be auto loan, mortgage, credit card, or anything beyond those, reports typically once a month to the credit bureaus. You may not realize, but there's a fee that the creditors have to pay to report. The more often they report, the more fees they get charged. So the normal protocol is once a month. I've seen some banks and credit unions that have smaller reporting budgets that will only report maybe every couple of months. Mm -hmm. But the normal timeline is three to four weeks. It You might get lucky and have it report a week or two. Um, but usually the timeline I use with my clients is three to four weeks after you make a change or pay something down or off that you'll see it reflecting on all credit bureaus. A lot of this is driven by what we call the statement end date, specifically on credit cards or charge cards. The statement end date is going to be the last date that that statement reports. Whatever that balances and payment is on that statement end date is what's going to be reported to the credit bureaus. So a little hack that you can use is find out when your statement end date is. It'll say it on your credit card statement, or you can call the credit card company, pay the balance in full or pay whatever you're going to pay down a couple days before the statement end date. That's actually going to improve your credit because when that statement end date occurs and reports, it's going to already reflect the mm -hmm. payment that you made instead of waiting for the due date, which is what they want you to do, which <laughs> is going to basically make it take that much longer to reflect. Now, there is a special program that some lenders like myself have called a rapid rescore. Now, a rapid rescore allows us to manually force a change to your credit. And we can take documentation in order to do that without waiting for the credit bureau to update. So in an emergency situation where you're already under contract on a home or something happened, we can use the rapid rescore to get your credit rescored in as little as a few days. But 
not all lenders offer it, and it's very expensive. Mm. Okay, I have seen these rapid rescores like 80 to 100 dollars per bureau per trade line so you can do the math i mean it can be easily three four hundred dollars just to update one credit card so these rapid rescores are really only to be used in specific situations where it's an emergency and you're already under contract and you must use it in order to move forward with the loan process otherwise give yourself that three to four weeks so everything can move forward and you can get the loan that you want and have your credit reviewed uh, you know, the way that it should be. If someone believes they have a bad credit or even a low score, should they even talk to a lender? Yeah, I, I think the answer is absolutely. You want to start a relationship with a lender. You want to start a dialogue with a lender as soon as you think you might be in the market to buy a home. I've had people contact me years ahead of schedule and say, hey, I'm a first-time buyer. I want to buy a property. I don't know where to start. I don't have credit or I have bad credit. I screwed things up a few years ago and I need to rebuild or I need to establish myself with my credit. And we can put together a great game plan and strategy. Um, it's actually, I prefer that you call me really early before you're like ready to get out there and look at homes because, you know, the earlier that we discuss things. The earlier that we put that plan in play, the more time you're going to have to implement it. And as you're hearing, this can take quite a bit of time to put in play. Several months, even depending on your okay. scenario, longer than that. So get with a lender as soon as possible. Don't you know, prejudge yourself and put yourself in a position where you wait till it's too late. Now, if someone has a co-signer with a good score, would that help? It doesn't help because oh. a co where a cosigner does help has to do with your debt to income or helping you to afford the mortgage. A modern mortgage qualification is going to be based off the lower score of the borrower. So if you're the borrower and you're a 650 score and your dad's co-signing for you and he's a 750 score, that'll help with your income. If he makes money, that'll help to get qualified there. But the 750 score that he has versus the 650 you have, it doesn't matter in the realm of mortgage pricing. We go off the lower or the, the middle score of the lower person. So again, 750 versus 650. It could be, you know, one person's a 680 and the spouse is 700. We're going to go off the 680. I've seen it where one person is a 720 and the other is a 718. We got to go off the 718. Those matter because the mortgage pricing, which is the interest rate that you're charged, the fees that you're charged, the points that you're going to be charged on your new loan, that's based off of the loan level price adjustments, the different pricing models, which comes in with the credit scores and what your score is for the pricing. Really quickly, sure. I was told that you should not pay off your credit card entirely. Keep it a low, keep, but keep something, keep a balance on there. Any truth in that? I mean, if you're looking to squeeze out every score, I've heard also having a 10 or $20 balance can get you a few extra points versus zero balance. But by all means, a zero balance is a great thing to have on your credit score <laughs> okay. versus a maxed out or a well, high I'm balance not, Yeah, card. I'm not talking about the maxed out card. Mm -hmm. Hey, folks, I did promise you that you can obtain uh, a co an e-copy of Rob Weinberg's book. Mm -hmm. It's entitled Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium. How can people obtain a free copy of your book? Yeah, so I'm willing to give away the free copy today on the ebook version. It is available on Amazon for $20 for the ebook and $25 for the hard copy. But for our loyal listeners, I appreciate you and I appreciate your support. So I want to be able to, to do this giveaway. I'll give it away to the first five people that email over today. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. Put free ebook in the subject. I need your name, 
your mailing address, your phone number. With those three pieces of info, I'll send you back a copy of this book. No strings attached, awesome. no issues. That's awesome. And we hope you enjoy it. Appreciate that. And if you like more information about Rob Weinberg and uh, Benchmark Mortgage, uh, www.connecticutmortgagelending.com is the website. Once again, connecticutmortgagelending.com. And as I said earlier, if you'd like to make an appointment with Rob personally, it's 860-413-3938. One more time, 860 860- 413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening. Until next Saturday, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.